In a world of what are yous, welcome to the place where the answer is always human. My name is Natalie and you're listening to Some Kind of Brown, a podcast about mixed and multiracial life, current events, and ways to build the best life by a southern girl who's trying to figure it out for herself. Alright everyone, we're back with another episode with Sam Morell continuing our conversation on reclaiming Latinx. This is actually going to be part two. We're going to have a bonus episode part three. These are going to be split into two smaller-ish episodes. We left off with Sam talking about how he identifies and his journey. I'm going to play a little bit of the last episode in the beginning just for context and we're just going to get right into it. So I strongly identify as Mexican, whereas a lot of people obviously grew up with that being a huge part of their daily life, even family life. I got that, but to a very limited extent. And part of that is obviously we don't celebrate Dia de los Muertos because that's just not something my mom grew up celebrating. We are very interested in it, though. So hopefully maybe in the future once we can tackle it. Uh, But as of now, no. It's never too late to start exploring your cultural identity. I'm 27 and I'm still kind of on that journey myself. That's been the most interesting thing too recently for me kind of because I mean everyone learns and inherits something different at a different pace. No family is the same but it is it is nice to hear that you're still on that journey and I feel like to some extent we're all on that journey in different respects so it's it's comforting it's a lot of solidarity. Yeah I mean I know there are things that I'm doing personally to reconnect In recent years, I've reconnected with my family that's Cherokee. They actually dance and go to powwows across the country. They're very involved in the community. Because of my recent health issues, which we will be talking about in another podcast episode, if you have not seen my Instagram or Twitter, I'm not able to join them at the moment. But there are things that I'm doing like reading and trying to interact and doing what I can to connect to my culture. Are you doing kind of the same things or is that something that you want to do? Well, for sure. Since I'd say probably college, maybe even a little bit of high school, it's been something I've been really interested in. Obviously, kind of the freedom that comes with college, I started really looking more into it. It's interesting in a way because my uh, mom's side of the family is the family or the part that's Mexican. There aren't a ton of family members left to connect with, or at least ones that are that steeped in uh, Mexican culture. So it's been kind of a solo experience, which is fine. It's just a little bit slower, in my opinion, or in my experience, and a little bit more of solo research and kind of online research, just looking into the media representation and the documentation that I can find. Something that my mom and I, I think, are both really invested in is reconnecting with our uh, Mexican culture and really learning about it because we didn't get that passed along directly to us. So it's definitely something I've been trying to do as much as possible, but it comes in weird waves, honestly. The internet obviously is a really great tool, even social media, just connecting with people who are more like me and like aren't fluent speakers and don't feel like they have a ton of knowledge but are really invested. That's really fun to learn. Even going back to the movie Coco, like seeing that, I was just like, oh, that's how that is. <laughs> and it's like weird, weird to find that in a Pixar movie. The research was done so well that it was kind of instructional or educational to me. You know, I got to celebrate part of myself that I didn't know how to celebrate before. Right. And it was really, really cool. 
And it's interesting to see where that comes up in my life. I'm sure it's the same with you. It seems like, you know, you're reaching out and getting to discover a lot. It's a very interesting experience when you're an adult and you're discovering cultural stories that everyone grew up with but you didn't know. I feel like sometimes people like us, when we're trying to discover and reconnect with our roots later in life, there's almost this, not quite guilt, but I'm going to say that because I don't really know how else to express it. There's a guilt for not knowing the things that you feel like you should have. For sure. It's definitely, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's this sense of like, if I identify with this, I should know X, Y, and Z because everyone else knows this. And it's just part of what builds up to this identity. Why don't I know that? It's weird because it feels like guilt, but it's not necessarily guilt. It's a weird kind of pressure, I feel. Yeah, that's that's a better way to describe it. It's like a pressure to like know everything or just like know more than you do. And it is really interesting, like you said, because we're learning later in life and discovering things that people were passed along from a young age and we didn't have access to. And that's not, you know, anyone's fault, but it is an interesting way to learn. And it's definitely, like I said, just like finding out things about just like basic holidays that are really intrinsic to Mexican culture that I don't celebrate and I don't know. It's a celebration, but it's also tinged with, I don't know if regret is the right word, but just something. It's kind of like that, like regretting that you didn't have those experiences, you mean? Exactly. Like regretting that I wasn't someone who was able to inherit that from my family. Not blaming anyone in my family. It's just kind of, you know, that worked out my family dynamic. But it was something that I wasn't raised with. So it's something that I came to later as an adult because I have the means now and I have the access. It's really interesting. Most of the time now, I don't feel as pressure anymore or I don't feel as uh, bad about it just because I've kind of learned to contextualize it. It was especially growing up trying to wreck this identity and build this identity and also constantly finding things that made me feel like I don't know anything about this. Apparently, I don't know uh, the basics to start with. It was just a weird learning curve that is kind of difficult to navigate. Uh, I feel that way with my Cherokee heritage as well. It's something that means so much to me. I was more familiar with my black side. We know what slave ship my family came on. And my dad was kind of like your grandmother. And because of that, a lot of my identity and searching was postponed because he didn't teach us a lot of things. But I rediscovered a lot of my blackness first. But I've always wanted to connect with my Cherokee self. But sometimes, I don't know if it's the same for you. Sometimes there's this fear when you want to interact with someone from your racial community because I don't speak the Cherokee language. I don't know the stories. And sometimes you run into people who aren't as open-minded and aren't very welcoming. For the most part, the indigenous community is very welcome to people who want to reconnect with their roots. But there are people out there who are very... They look down on people who, like me, didn't grow up on a reservation, didn't grow up with the stories and things like that. Did you experience those kinds of things when you were trying to connect with your Mexican heritage? Oh, for sure. No, it's definitely a big thing if you don't speak Spanish in the Latinx community, specifically in the Mexican community. It's definitely looked down upon for reasons I understand. I don't agree with it, but it's a huge thing. And I've 
I mean, studied Spanish all my life. It just never took because I didn't have anyone really to speak it with. And that's, I mean, partially on me and partially just like I never had a fluent speaker practice with or teach me. And I kind of just didn't do the work myself around that. So I ended up just never learning. And I can, it's to the point I can understand most of what's spoken to me. I just don't have the vocabulary still to speak it back or, um, or the grammar or any of it. <laughs> um, so it's been interesting. And it's definitely something I actually just found a term to put to from like, I think the Facebook group, Pero Like, I think it's an offshoot of BuzzFeed, if I'm not mistaken. They had this video from one of their video contributors that was talking about like calling herself a pocha concha. And pocha apparently is a term Mexicans use for people who don't speak Spanish or Mexicans who don't speak Spanish. And it is definitely derogatory. Um, she thankfully was able to reclaim that and I'm working to kind of reclaim that myself. But that's definitely what people would describe me as if they had the chance to. It's interesting too, because it's not only specifically from Mexican people. I've encountered a lot of Latinx people that are from different countries or their heritage is from different countries a lot of it has been pretty supportive but there was one experience when i um was at my job there was one girl who worked at the front desk with me and she's i want to say full cuban at least her family is cuban but she's fluent in spanish we got along really well like it was really cool and I can't remember the context of it, but I was saying something about, you know, being part Mexican, which I thought, you know, I wasn't super invested in it, but I thought it was going to be like a cool moment of connection. Because I mean, she's from a Latinx country. I am too. That's a cool connection. Even better. We were already getting along so well, like it wasn't really a deal. And she like turned to me <laughs> and she was like, you're right though. <gasps> in like this tone that was like, let's give it up though. Like you're, you're right. Like let's stop pretending and i'm just what first of all you don't know me second of all i may not be in touch with my culture to the extent obviously that you are but how rude to just like completely disavow someone's culture just because they can't speak the language as well as you or they didn't grow up with a full family of people that could pass along that yeah. culture I was so mad the entire rest of that shift. I just like didn't speak to her. I just focused on my work. At the time, it felt like such a small thing to get mad at because it was like one moment. Like it really wasn't a drawn out thing and I didn't really have a comeback for it. But now I realized why I was so mad because anyone should would be. You don't get to decide that for me. And just because I don't look or act the same or I wasn't raised the same as you doesn't mean that I'm any less Mexican or any less Hispanic or Latinx. That's still part of my culture just because I'm coming to it late. It wasn't like I was looking to her for like all of my cultural guidance. It was something, you know, I thought we had in common. Something that even though she is of Cuban descent and I'm of Mexican descent, it's still part of a larger community and she is fluent in Spanish and she like has a lot of knowledge about her, uh, her culture that was, you know, passed directly down to her. She's like immersed in it. She's like in it. And I thought that was like really cool. And that's something that I was, you know, trying to go for and trying to work towards. And I thought, you know, something that we would have in common in some respect, just to hear you know, her completely shut down my identity when she doesn't really know me at all. And also who would do that because it's just rude as hell. It was just massively disappointing, especially for someone that I was previously like getting along with really, really well. I mean, to this extent, like we, we get along well still. I mean, she doesn't work there anymore, so we don't talk much, uh, but I have like no hard feelings against her. But it's just, who would say that right to someone's face? But it is a problem that I've seen in the larger culture. Um, if you don't speak Spanish, you're definitely looked down upon. 
even to the extent that you're seen as like not a real Mexican. Yeah. Because that's one of the pillars of what should build that identity, which I get. And I understand that. I don't agree with it, but I understand like that's one of the things that is held sacred. But I think if anything, I'd want, you know, to contribute to the idea that Latinx people come in all shapes and sizes and backgrounds and abilities and levels to how immersed they are in the culture. It's all valid. That's all part of our identity. Yeah. And honestly, first of all, those little comments sometimes can be the most crushing things. And I don't think people realize that because sometimes those little comments hit that most sensitive part of ourselves. They hit that Mm self-doubt. We as multiracial people, I think everybody has that little bit inside of them that's afraid that someone's going to judge them for not knowing something. And when someone kind of hits that mark, it hurts you even deeper than a stupid comment like, you don't look Mexican, like something that would be more superficial. They hit you like right where it hurts. Exactly. And that's, it had a lot to do with her tone too, because it wasn't a joke or it wasn't something like outwardly aggressive. Because I feel like if there's emotion behind it, it's almost acknowledging that it's a significant thing or a serious thing, which is a weird way of viewing it. I feel like there was like some outward aggression behind it or something I could pinpoint was saying that to something that didn't really have to do with my identity. But it was the way she was just kind of like, like, give it up. You're white, though. You know, like something that I should know as well as her. It was just like you said, like massively hitting on that insecurity that I've had since I was young, especially because in Latinx culture, it's a big thing to, you know, speak the language. Obviously, I don't. Um, And it's obviously something I've always been aware of. And just the tone of like, we all know, like, you should acknowledge that too. That was just crushing. And that immediately made me mad. I mean, honestly, it sounds like from her tone and the way it sounded almost hostile, it it sounds like it's more of her problem than it is your problem. And I don't think you should ever put down someone who is actively trying to learn for not knowing something. It's another thing if you're like, I don't want to learn Spanish. I don't really care about that side. Then maybe I could understand some hostility. But you yourself were actively trying to engage, actively trying to learn. And there should be no reason that you should be like picked on for that. Yeah. First of all, it's 2018, like learn to talk to people or learn how to talk to people. But second of all, exactly like you said, it's one thing if someone doesn't care about the culture at all and just uses it for like, I don't know, social points or whatever they may have to do, but just like wants to rep that or like have that as part of their identity for some ulterior motive. That's one thing. But if someone's just trying to connect with you or someone's just even, I wasn't even like really going for that. I was more, whatever the conversation was, just expressing like that part of my identity because I hadn't before and it was kind of just an information thing. If someone tells you who they are and they're proud of that or they're trying to be proud of that or trying to learn more about it because they are proud of it, it's just so rude to shut them down. Like it's so disrespectful and unnecessary, I'd say. I know, I mean, preserving the culture is important, but it doesn't detract from it letting someone in who's trying to get to that place that you are. Even that language you're using to describe it, you shouldn't have to be let in. You are in. Exactly. 
I don't know why some people feel like they're the gatekeepers for their culture, trying to keep mixed people out who are trying to learn, but that definitely needs to stop. Exactly. Especially in this day and age when everything's mixing and blending and people are being more open, which I think is a beautiful thing. It's just so strange to me to be a gatekeeper like that and just be like, no, you have to do this and you have to look like this and you have to talk like this and you have to do all of these things. And then if you reach this checklist, maybe then we'll let you in and let you like be, I don't know, Mexican. It's not like that. Like you said, like you're already in. That's not something that I have to achieve. It's not like something I'm working towards. I'm more working towards more knowledge of it and more immersion in my culture. It's strange that people take that and then make it into like a goal that you're striving for that they have any say over. Like you said, it is really strange and kind of uncalled for. I did want to move back into Coco. You said that you were learning and we talked a little bit before about how much of an impact Coco had on you because it felt like you were discovering a part of your culture that you didn't really know about. And I think that on a kind of different scale coco was for mexican americans what crazy rich asians was for asian americans it wasn't dealing with exactly the same issues but it was celebrating a culture that hasn't been celebrated in hollywood i don't think ever Mm -hmm. it's definitely not to that scale definitely not by i think one of the most popular animation or children's animation companies to that extent so it was definitely um Like the similarity with Crazy Rich Asians is definitely there. It's a massive win for representation. And it's something that celebrates the culture so much. I think that's beyond just representation, both. But what I saw for both movies is that it does celebrate either Mexican culture or Singaporean culture to an extent that I don't think we've seen, which was in itself a pretty good win. Honestly, I... We're going to get a little bit political. I like it. The timing of Coco, I think, is very ironic because you have this movie coming out celebrating Mexican heritage and celebrating so many aspects of the culture that are really beautiful, like the importance of family and this holiday that everyone's familiar with, but uh, they certainly know the sexy costumes for. (laughs) But at the same time, we have Trump and what's going on in this country towards all Latinx people. We have the denial of the deaths and destruction that happened because of the hurricane in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And we have all this national dialogue about what's happening with the immigrants and how we're treating them, especially as children. I think the juxtaposition of Coco coming out and what's going on in this country is such a strange thing. It really is, honestly. I think part of the, I guess, cognitive dissonance that you kind of have to work in in America right now, which is a huge shame, but I'm grateful for movies like Kobo coming out right now because there's so much animosity from our president against uh, specifically Mexican-American or Mexican immigrants and by association Mexican-Americans, pretty much anyone who's not um, straight and white, (laughs) but so much animosity on a scale that I didn't, I don't think a lot of people fully anticipated genuinely reaching. It moves from being just a nice thing to being politically necessary. I think having representation that really celebrates the culture and is not just like there's a Mexican person 
how fun. It's like actively instructing people who may just be going for a fun kids movie, but it's educating people on major parts of the culture and parts of ceremonies and holidays that are important to the culture and it's presented as something beautiful and something that's aspirational in a way. It's not necessarily aspirational, but um, something that I think is beautiful on the scale of their other movies. And it's presented as something that's worth watching and worth investing all this time and money and effort in. And I think it's not completely balanced out, but it is something that is necessary to kind of come in, be kind of a Mm. beacon if anything. Um, and I wish, you know, we had more of that for all cultures that they've disparaged or this administration has disparaged, which would be many, but it's helpful in a way because people can come in without maybe going for an education, maybe going just to enjoy themselves or see the next Pixar movie, which I know I do a lot, just whatever they come out with. Like, <laughs> Here we go. Cause like, I know it's a movie right. that I'm going to enjoy historically. Watching it myself, I just felt this swell of pride and it was interesting. And I've, I think, talked to you before this about it a little bit, but it was interesting because I was learning a lot about my own culture as I was watching it. But I also finally felt like I could celebrate it. Like I felt like this is part of who I am. Like I am part of this. Um, so it was a weird mixture of those two things, but I did feel a lot of pride because it was presented or my culture was presented as this thing that was so beautiful and so heartwarming about family and about honoring the dead and celebrating the dead. And it was such a positive representation that I was able to kind of go back out in the horrible, horrible world that we find ourselves in today. And I felt a little bit better or I felt a little bit more equipped to handle it because they had a balance of representation. And I hope that, you know, it was the same for other people. And I hope that there are more movies that are the same for other people. If that's all it did, I think that if I was a creator of Coco, I would feel quite accomplished. But I never thought of it the way you said. Maybe Coco would work on chipping away some of the negative rhetoric surrounding immigrants and Mexican culture. Like you hear so many negative things that we're getting all the rapists and the druggies Mm. and all these negative things about the culture. And then here you have this movie going, but that's not us. This is our culture. This is what we look like. Maybe Coco is a little access point for people to start thinking of Latinx people in a different light. Exactly. It's something that is not going to obviously completely turn the tide, which I I think is, you know, difficult for any movie to really achieve. Like you said, I think of it as something to celebrate my own culture, but also something to start educating other people in my culture as well. And it's, it's a shame that any movie has to stand up and just be like, we're not rapists. We're not like these horrible criminals that this administration is saying, because that's insane. It blows my mind. But it is interesting that it's coming out at this point to have a little bit of access to people who are not of this culture. And it's a touchstone, I think. So they can go back and just be like, well, look at Coco. They have this. And I know this about Mexican culture from that. And I hope that it's something that will spark people into researching a little bit more about Dia de los Muertos or about Mexico in general and kind of get a more nuanced understanding of it.
that's where we're going to leave this week's episode. I just wanted to remind you that we will have part three of the conversation with Sam next week as a bonus episode. If you're loving Sam, you can go show him some love on his Instagram at sam.morel, M-O-R-E-L. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at some kind of brown. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a rate and review on iTunes. It really will make my day. Thank you to Purple Planet for the use of their song Love Life. And I'll see you next week with Sam and some more shades of brown.